Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Landlord Page podcast. Myself, Tristan Lee, will be hosting this episode with Dave Howarth from AFP Wokenham. I think they're trying to, rather than just push interest rates up in line with the base rate, banks have got to make money. So they're thinking if we can keep rates down, but charge higher fees, that's going to help everybody with these stress tests. That's going to help people secure slightly larger mortgages that they need. Talking about the mortgage world, the base rate change, and what a crazy couple of weeks we've had with products being pulled from the market, with rates going up, down, no one knows what's happening. So it's good to get insight from Dave himself to find out what's happening and where we see rates moving forward. I hope you enjoy the episode. And as ever, if you have any questions, send us a DM or reach out on our socials. So Dave, we're back for another episode on the Landlord Page podcast. And I believe it's your third visit to our studio. So thank you very much for that. That's no problem at all. But how, to be here. how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Yes, it's, it's been a stressful few weeks, I won't lie. But um, no, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I things think, are looking up. I think every time we speak, it seems, it seems to be something going on in the background. And uh, <laughs> hence the reason we got you in today, because we've had a crazy probably six or eight weeks now with the property market or mortgage market in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, base rate change, change of government and rates going up, pulled from market. So me and Ian last on last week's episode spoke, we needed to get a broker on to talk about what's happening what's changed since the base rate and what we see moving forward. But before we do, just give us an overall update of what's going on. So in general, I think we're seeing things calm down a little bit now. We have had one hell of a ride over the last six to eight weeks, but the general consensus right now is things are starting to calm down. Richie Sunak in power, things like that. They've, they've, they've given the markets a sense of of rest so i think we're okay at the time being we'll come on to that again later i'm sure i'm sure we will so uh, rishi sunak obviously announced at 10 downing street before that we had the mini budget mm. market went a bit funny it's like a bomb went off wasn't it, it? literally <laughs> um but thankfully we had your updates weekly which is where we typically post our information from is from your updates so thank you very much for no that first of all. all but we are starting to see some stabilization since rishi has been announced in charge at number 10 Downing Street. Yeah. So what's going on with rates then? Give us an overall update then. So base rate went up last week. Yeah. What's happening with mortgage rates? Are they going up, coming down? Are we seeing some stabilisation where they predicted correctly after the mini budget? What's going on? So let's rewind about a month, six weeks. It was an absolute nightmare trying to quote rates. They were going up on a daily basis almost so you'd quote a rate there was a rate available lenders pull it i'd almost completely pull all their products so they're not offering mortgages come back in with rates almost a percent or more higher than what they were before it was just chaos no one knew where they stood that has definitely calmed down so now we see rates probably i think headline rates are early five percent 5.2 something like that maybe a margin little maybe a little bit of a margin less than that but I think those rates are going to come with pretty high fees where previously we were looking at flat fees of maybe a thousand pound, two thousand pound to arrange a mortgage. The banks call it a product fee. Now the banks are turning to percentages. So maybe two or three percent of the mortgage loan amount. There's a reason behind that that we can talk about later. But that's been the big change. Higher fees, rates starting at around probably 5.2 percent at the moment. That's that's your headline. You might only get that on a five year fix, though two years are probably more expensive than that. I have noticed that. Is there a reason why the lower term seems to be higher than the the longer term at the moment? A mortgage is based on risk. Um, And I think the banks have got more confidence that in the long term, the craziness in the markets that we're seeing at the moment will sort itself out. So they're not as confident that 
the base rate and the whole mortgage market will recover completely in two years. So they're pricing that quite high. More of a risk that the banks might end up you know, losing some money on that on that type of product. Whereas the five-year fixes, they've got your money for longer. You're paying more interest across the longer period. And they're more confident that things should settle down towards the later end of that five-year fixed. I suppose so, it's a benefit for the investors that are, that listen to this podcast channel or would be either new to the market or potentially existing um, investors that's looking to buy more properties. Mm-hmm. And I think anyone that's looking to get into the property end that we work with is typically a long-term game, mm-hmm. not looking to flip within the next year or two. So a five-year product is more beneficial if that's your strategy. So I yeah. think long-term, it makes sense to go for a five-year fixed. It does, Tristan. Yeah, there's lots of way, lots of reasons, should I say, to go for a five-year fixed. Particularly with buy-to-let mortgages, the stress tests are a little bit more generous on the five-year fixed products. So for X amount of rent, you're probably going to get a slightly larger mortgage if you go for a five-year compared to a two-year or a tracker. Um, so that's an incentive. You're going to get given more money for a five-year and you can budget. You know, your slightly lower interest rate today will be that pretty high compared to the last few years, but probably one of the best you're going to get on a five-year. And you know where you are. You know where your mortgage payments are going to be and you can budget for quite a long period of time. People like that. People like stability. I'm glad you said about stress testing because I wanted to move on to that. So obviously with the change of rates increasing, cost of living crisis that's going on at the moment, affordability changing, what's the general rule of thumb with stress testing on a buy-to-let and are we going to see any changes moving forward, do you think? Oh, you're going deep now, man. I have to. <laughs> I have to. The listeners want it. <laughs> exactly. Um, stress test. So let's explain that. That's the amount just above the interest rate. So your fixed interest rate, that's going to be stressed at probably an extra, maybe two, 3% on top of what you're actually going to be paying. The banks have to build in that little bit extra to make sure if rates do increase, you can still afford to pay that size mortgage. So the way they look at that is it's all to do with how much rent you've got to end up paying that mortgage payment at the end of every month. So out of your rent, you've got to take out your tax bill, maybe the letting agent fees, put some money aside for renovating or or maintaining the property. And what you're left with is what you can pay your mortgage with. So as interest rates go up, the mortgage payments are going to go up with it. So actually, to be able to afford the same size mortgage, your rent's got to go up as well. If the rent doesn't go up, because your monthly payments are more, the banks are going to actually give you a smaller mortgage at the end of it. So that's becoming a bit of a problem, particularly for people with mortgages already looking to remortgage. They might have borrowed X based on the stress test two years ago. Now, when they recalculate that, they can't even afford what they've already got. So this is becoming a big problem and the banks are recognizing that. Um, So they're working hard to try and resolve this. They all have to be guided by the FCA regulations. They can't just do whatever they want. They do have strict guidelines to follow. But they're trying to get creative to think of a way. How are we, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to help our customers? Um, and that comes down to where they're pricing their fees. I think they're trying to, rather than just push interest rates up in line with the base rate, banks have got to make money. So they're thinking if we can keep rates down but charge higher fees, that's going to help everybody with these stress tests. That's going to help people secure slightly larger mortgages that they need. So nobody actually wants to pay a big fee. But when you're looking at a proposition of maybe a £3,000 fee, but getting ten or £15,000 more lent to you, it's, it's, a, it's a thought. It's, a, it's something people will consider um, put off by the fee. But actually, 
with the proposition of borrowing more, it does become a little bit more attractive. So are you finding, is this typically becoming issues with people with 25% deposits or is this people that are typically 40% or is it sort of in between and everyone is a case by case, obviously? It is case by case. Um, at the moment, although the bank's criteria say you've got to start with a 25% deposit, some say 20%, but difficult to get a mortgage for the 80% you'd need there. So 25% deposit is your starting point. But then it comes back to those stress tests and the, and the monthly rental. Is that rent enough based on today's stress test to get you that 75% mortgage? Unfortunately, the answer is no, normally now. I mean, you've got to have a very strong rent compared to you know, a few a few months ago to get the same size mortgages as you need the 75% loan to value there. So to combat that, yes, you need bigger deposits. You might be able to put 30% in, 35% in to bridge the gap when you're only being offered that slightly smaller mortgage. It's really strange it's becoming a big issue knowing that rents have already hit all-time highs in recent months and the demand is there and prices are consistently going up for lettings with the lack of stock out there mm. but they're still becoming an issue when it comes to the stress testing on the lending point of view yeah. which really surprising but I suppose that comes down to making sure that you're buying the right property because if you've got an interest-only mortgage and you're just scraping through of paying the mortgage payments of mm -hmm. that minus all the fees and so forth you're going to be looking for equity growth there, but you're going to want some cash flow because you're not doing it for free, are you? No, absolutely. I mean, I do hope and I honestly believe that the the mortgage market we see today isn't going to be the mortgage market we're looking at in 12 to 24 months time. I do hope things are going to improve from where they are today. They might get worse in the meantime, but I think we might see rates come back down, stress testes and things like that. So whatever we're up against now, hopefully is a short-term fix. But right now, you're right. It's going to be very difficult to actually make money on certain properties with certain rents on a monthly basis. So I guess the focus does change. It's to the long term growth in the property value and how much equity you can build um, you know, over the next five or 10 years by owning another property. Which for those that are listening that are local to where we cover, which is the southeast region, the typical property that I encourage because the demand is absolutely phenomenal is three bedroom family homes mm -hmm. if you look at the last 12 months or so we've seen equity growth substantially on those some have gone up as high as 80 100 thousand in a 12 month period mm -hmm. there's good uh, equity growth plus good rental figures on those you're looking sort of 1500 plus with multiple offers so it's obviously worth doing that but if they did fall short it was the, the ideal investment for them Something that's been coming across recently quite a lot with other brokers I've spoken to is top slicing. Is yeah. that something you've been coming across quite frequently with buy to let um, lending or yeah, what's your absolutely. comment? I've always been a big advocate of top slicing. It's something we do a lot um, in our company. Um, in a nutshell, that is where the rent doesn't quite get you the size mortgage you need. The bank can start looking at your income. So they do take in. Uh, into consideration things like your residential mortgage for the place you live in, any debts that you might have, and they look at how much you earn. So it's basically how much have you got left at the end of the month after you've paid all your bills? Is there enough money there to top up that shortfall in rent? It's all it's an individual base. It's all affordability based, means tested, but it can really, really help those customers that are struggling to get the size mortgage they need for their let properties. So big, big part of the market. It, it has been for some time, but even more important now. Who are you typically seeing that's taken out the top slicing options? Is it someone that's looking to uh, upsize and maybe rent out their family home that they had in order to make the move? Is that typically what you're seeing? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Letter buys. They're the ones that top slice quite frequently um, because 
maybe they haven't quite they're trying to extract equity from their existing property which could then be used as deposit to purchase their new family home so they're really trying to maximize that loan amount on the buy to let get the most they possibly can um so yes that that's the type of customer that is, is regularly looking to top slice perfect so let's move on then so what's your predictions going into 2023 for interest rates for buy to let Let's get a crystal ball out, shall we? There we go. Yeah, polish it up. I'm asking you that question, but <laughs> it's in, obviously uh, I'm not going to hold you to it. I understand no one knows what's going to happen. No, but, they'd be lying if they said they did. Uh, but, um, a hit a nail on the head a few times, um, I will be honest with you. Mm. He's, he's predicted a few base rate changes and um, interest rate changes, and they've hit it. So I'm going to hold you to it and see if your predictions <laughs> are just just there as well. Me no pressure. Me a kill. Cool. <laughs> that would be a good one. We, I think, what do we know? Um at the moment, the base rate went up last Thursday by three quarters of a percent. We didn't really see interest rates change that much. That was, I think, because the markets reacted quite badly following the mini budget. Um, they factored in increases probably more than they needed to be. Uh, they were worried that the base rate would go up higher than it did. It went up three quarters of a percent. I think at one point there was talk about it going up one and a quarter percent. So obviously, it was a lot better than the initial predictions. They factored in their rate increases a month ago based on that. So this time, we didn't see the fixed interest rates increase in line with the base rate. We are expecting another base rate change in December, potentially another one in the, the following meeting after that. Um, so I think, in a nutshell, we might see rates continue to increase short term, but long term, probably into quarter three and four next year, I would like to think things will start settling down and rates might start to come back down again. Something to combat that, though, is the bank's competition. So I know that the banks have got a lot of margin in their products. Base rate's 3%, they're charging 55 There's margin there. If they want to start becoming competitive again, which it sounds silly that they're not competitive, but they've had their filler mortgages this year, hit, the, hit their bonuses, hit their targets. So start of next year, I think the the resetting of those targets is actually going to trigger some competition in the markets and they might start to shave their margins and either absorb increases in the Bank of England base rate, meaning they don't necessarily need to follow suit and put rates up, or even start to reduce rates further. So it's not all doom and gloom. There's some, there's some levers that can be pulled for the banks to actually start to, to reduce rates if necessary, dependent on how high the base rate goes. So um, it's a tricky one to answer, but in a nutshell, I think things are going to get slightly more expensive. But yeah, hopefully in the next six months or so, start seeing, seeing some reductions again. I'm going to hold. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot, Dave. You mentioned obviously slightly go up and then come back down to normal figures. Normal. What's Ooh. normal figures now? Gone are the days of one and two percent. I think you know that we were very spoiled for many years with those ultra low rates. Um, in the buy to let world. I think eventually, not now, eventually normal is going to be around the 4% mark. Okay. Um, I think next, I'd, I'd be surprised if we get there next year, maybe high fours towards the end of next year. Um, normal being probably early fives, maybe late fours, like I say, by the end of next year. And do you think there'd be any changes to limited company mortgages at all? Or do you think that they will still have a sort of a one, one and a half percent difference between buy to let and that? Yeah, they have historically been a little bit higher than your standard um, residential sort of private owner. Um, but I think we're always going to see a slight difference. I do think the limited company structure is always going to be about one, one and a half percent dearer than if you bought it in your private name. Um, 
what we really have seen some big changes is the fee structure to the limited company buy to net mortgages. Um, actually, out of all the market, in my opinion, someone might say otherwise, but I think they reacted the worst. They're specialist lenders. You're not going to go to the likes of, I don't know, Birmingham Midshires and Nat West for a limited company mortgage. They're very specialist lenders. And they they really did hike rates, hike fees as a reaction to the mini budget and things. Again, slightly improving now. Um, but yeah, I think they are always going to be more expensive than buying it in a personal note. I think it comes down to the the plan of the individual, whether they're looking to extract money to whether they buy it for the limited company or whether they've got those figures in place. And if yeah. they're going for the right property with the equity growth, mm-hmm. I think it doesn't really make a difference if it's one and a half, one percent, because the equity growth is going to be there. And if the cash flow is there as well, it, it's a no brainer, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. The equity growth is there no matter which model you purchase in. Um, so there's a lot of different accountancy tax reasons for buying in a limited company. I don't want to go into that, now, but there's definite advantages for doing it that way. But you do have to stomach some higher interest rates. So uh, talk to a really good accountant, a tax advisor, you know then come and talk to a good mortgage advisor. <laughs> <laughs> so um, moving on then, just to, to finish off the podcast, Dave, it's been really good having you. and It's good to have a catch up based upon what's happened the last two months. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's the best piece of advice you can give anyone looking to invest in a property out there today that may be listening to this episode? So at the moment, interest rates are high for buy-to-lets, meaning your mortgage payments are going to be high for buy-to-lets. So you've already got a huge outgoing on your mortgage if you're looking to invest in a property. So all I would say is get the right advice about the property you're buying. Consider what outgoings that particular property itself might come with. So for example, if you're if you were considering a, a a leasehold property, a flat maybe, that comes with ground rent and service charge costs, that could be an extra hundred, hundred and fifty pound a month that you have to pay in addition to all your other fees that are going to come with owning that property. Maybe instead of thinking about the free the sorry, the leasehold properties, go to a freehold property, a house like you mentioned earlier. Um, and they don't have those extra costs. So it's just about talking to your letting agent, talking to your mortgage advisor, getting the right advice on the property itself and obviously the mortgage that goes with it. So more important than ever, talk to the professionals before you jump into anything. Good piece of advice. And we always talk about the power team. And I think it's so important when looking to invest in a property or any business, I suppose, is having that power team around you, whether it's an accountant, whether it's a broker, whether it's an agent, they're the ones that's going to make it happen with you. So work with them, not against them. Absolutely. It's been really good having you. Third time, third episode. So thank you very much for your time. And I really appreciate that. No problem. Good chatting. So another great episode complete with Dave Howard from AFP. And as ever, if you have any questions for myself or Dave moving forwards, then please send us a DM, get involved on our socials, which is at the landlord page. But a few things that I took away from this podcast, Dave's predictions are that rates will slowly go up over the next coming months. But within the next couple of years, we are going to see rates reduce slightly and start to stabilise, which is why they're offering five-year fixed rates lower than the two-year fixed at current time, because the banks see confidence in the market moving forward. But another thing to make note of is the stress testing for a buy-to-let property. You need to ensure the rental figures are good enough in order to get the mortgage that you need on those properties. And if not, then you need to put more cash up front. But there are other incentives being, being proposed to try and make it 
more affordable and more attractive for investors in the marketplace. It's not all doom and gloom. There's still some great wins to have within the property industry. But I think it's so important to ensure that you've got the power team behind you. You're doing your research and you're investing in the right property. And as I've mentioned on many occasions, family homes in the southeast region are a great investment. They get great rentals and they have great equity growth. So as long as you're getting the right property, I'm sure it'll all work out fine. But any questions, send me a DM. I'd love to help. I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They agents have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.